Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, I had every intention of going on and talking about other Disney-related topics. In fact, I already have another podcast in the can, as they say, and it's ready to go. But then I went and saw Star Wars The Force Awakens a couple more times, and I have some new thoughts and new ideas about the movie, and I wanted to share them with you. It just was so exciting and so interesting to me that I wanted to share them. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, there are spoilers in this podcast, so if you don't want to hear them, I would suggest you tune out now. I'm going to give some spoilers about the movie. So keep that in mind as you uh, decide to go ahead and listen. The Force? Now, the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. So I'm watching the movie again, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm going, wow, this is, there's some really intriguing subplots that J.J. Uh, Abrams has built in here. Clearly, he's a Star Wars fan. Now, as I said before, I, I can see the parallel between Star Wars... A New Hope, and this movie. They're very similar in their style and the things that happen and sort of the coming of age and the character development and so forth. But the other thing I love about it that caught my attention and brought me back to A New Hope was the fact that it's more about the story and more about the substance of the characters and developing these characters into something interesting rather than the CGI and rather than trying to just, you know, give you something that's just so visually appealing that you go, okay, that's great, you know, and you have that that moment of eye candy. They're telling a story here, and they're developing something to get you into it and to get you going on it. And there's so many little subplots and tie-ins and look-backs and, you know, other things that they do that just make it really interesting. As I sat here and watched it again, I was like, wow, that's really really neat. For example, when you notice that uh, C-3PO comes out with his red arm, and he says something about it, and then they move on. Now, if you didn't notice, this was the same arm that he lost when they fought with the Sand People. Nice little harken back again to A New Hope. But interesting that he lost that same arm, and remember in A New Hope, Luke went back and got his arm and he reattached it. But in this case, for whatever reason, they can't reattach the same arm. Maybe they can't find it, maybe they don't have it. But what happened to his arm? Where did it go? Where is it? It's kind of an interesting little subplot. You know, it's been been kind of nagging at me a little bit. Though perhaps in a battle somewhere along the way, between episodes 6 and 7, something happened and he lost his arm. And they weren't able to recover it for some reason. So I'm guessing that that'll be something that comes back up. And it probably ties back to R2 in some way, or to Luke, or to both, or to something else that happens. And I'll talk a little bit more about where I'm going with that in just a minute. Now the next interesting character is the Snoke character. And if you really listen to the dialogue that happens in episode 3... 
Yeah, I know. Again, the acting is a little stiff, and it's kind of hard to watch the story. But as I mentioned in my last podcast, if you really kind of take the story to heart and listen to the story they're telling, it's a really pretty good tale. You have to kind of make your way through the kind of the slog of the story a little bit, of the acting and some of the CGI effects that make no sense, and some of the things that happen where you kind of have to scratch your head. But overall, there's an interesting little tale that's being told. Now here's a clip of the Chancellor talking to Anakin about his former mentor, Darth Plagueis. Ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No. I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise. He could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. He could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. What happened to him? He became so powerful. The only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. It's ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. So you realize that in some way, the Chancellor, or Palpatine, or Darth Sidious, or whatever, was brought on as an apprentice to Darth Plagueis. And somewhere along the way, he became too strong for Darth Plagueis. And if we think about the big picture here, you know, Yoda had said, there are always two there are, there's a master and an apprentice. Always So here's the thing. When you think about it, typically the master becomes very powerful and wants to teach his apprentice the ways of the dark side. But over time, frequently the apprentice becomes too powerful and wants to overthrow the master. I guess that's the nature of the dark side, that the, the bad guys always want to be in control and always assume that role of power. So that's what happened with uh, Darth Sidious when he overthrew Darth Plagueis. Now, if you read through some of the books and you take what the Chancellor said here to heart, you realize there's a good possibility that Darth Plagueis lived on, that somehow he went to the Outer Rim and he was out there and he continued to live and do some of the things. Now, what would be his first move if he were to live on? My guess is he'd want to get even with Darth Sidious. And how would you do that? If you have the ability to control the Force and control these Metachlorians, would it be possible for you to somehow use the Force to create a being, say Anakin Skywalker? So Shmi has this baby that's Anakin Skywalker. It's, it's one of these uh, almost epic biblical tales in the sense of it being some sort of you know, uh, immaculate conception kind of thing. There is no father. But if Darth Plagueis can manipulate life, then perhaps he's responsible for it. And it would be his way of getting revenge on Darth Sidious. 
And if you think about how the storyline goes, Darth Vader rises to power. You can see how his power struggle within as he's going through the, the Jedi Council and he's thinking about the fact that he's not a master and, of course, he's being manipulated by Sidious anyway. He moves into that point of being the guy who wants to assume power. And he talks about him wanting to rule the galaxy and him wanting to do everything. He'll be more powerful than Sidious ever was. So it's clear his goal is to overthrow Sidious, but he's not there yet. So he works his way up to it, and then in episode six, he finally overthrows Sidious. And look at that. Plagueis got exactly what he wanted. He had to wait, you know, 20-odd years to get there, but he got there. And the, the being he created then was the one who was there. Now, it would also kind of help explain why Yoda couldn't necessarily see the, the good or the dark in him. Yes, a Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. It wants you start down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you at will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. He was created sort of out of this strange realm, so there was no clear indication that he was good or evil. So it makes it kind of interesting, if you kind of think about it from that perspective, that quite possibly Plagueis was responsible for Anakin being born, who overthrew Sidious, who had killed Plagueis, or at least attempted to. So you take the storyline a little further. Now Plagueis returns as Snoke. So, of course, Anakin has two, two children, Luke and Leia. Luke is a good Jedi, so he's not, he's not turning evil. You have Leia, who doesn't understand the Force well enough to be able to interpret it and use it. So, you know, she's Force-aware, but she's not exactly into the Force in that sense. She doesn't become a Jedi. So she's not going to be the right person. But the grandson, Han and Leia's son, Ben Skywalker, then goes on to, to show his Force powers, and he has the abilities that are similar to Luke. So it makes perfectly good sense that Snoke would try and get Ben Solo on his side to try and groom him to be his apprentice. So he's kind of making the circle complete. Now, of course, the storyline should go that Ben Solo will wind up killing Snoke. And then Luke would wind up killing Ben. Well, wait a minute. I think Rey has to figure into this somehow. Now, I'll come back to all of that in just a minute. Let's focus on a couple of other things. I believe, like a lot of fans do, that Snoke is actually Darth Plagueis. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, the other thing to consider along the way. Now, remember that when Ben Kenobi talks about the Jedi being killed off, he has a very kind of loose comment where he says the Jedi are all but extinct. So if you think about that, there is a possibility that other Jedi are out there. And again, if you look back at episode 3, where Anakin goes off and he tries to kill all of the Jedi at the Council and get, a, get after everyone, and uh, Order 66 is implemented to kill the Jedi, I think there's a good possibility that there are other Jedi who may be out there who have gotten away and go into hiding. Of course, the stories in between, that you, you can read books in between, they tell us that several Jedi did get away and were going into hiding. Now... The fact that Yoda and uh, Obi-Wan go in and they reset the, uh, mess the coded message telling people to go into hiding, I think that kind of sets the tone for there are probably other Jedi out there somewhere who we've never been introduced to. And what makes that interesting and why that intrigues me is because I think that there's a good possibility that uh, Maz, the, uh, the friend that they go and visit on that one planet, I think it's very possible that she is a Jedi. You know, people say maybe she's Force aware. I think she's actually a Jedi. I think she goes much deeper than that. And that's, you know, there's some uh, powers within her that she's able to do some things. And perhaps that's how she came into contact with the lightsaber. 
So I think there's a little more to that. And then as you look around and you, you listen to the story a little bit more and you think about some of the things that are going on, the general and Kylo Ren have this strange conversation or a couple of strange conversations about the people that are following them. And they are the uh, First Order stormtroopers. And the general at one point makes a comment that we're better off with clones. So, you know, they've moved away from the whole clone army and they've moved into the stormtroopers. And in episodes four, five, and six, they never really talk about how the stormtroopers become stormtroopers. You know, they're followers of this, uh, this disciple and, you know, they want to be part of the empire. But in episode seven, they kind of talk about the fact that they take children and they basically indoctrinate them and make them part of the, uh, the army. Finn has an interesting little story there that he doesn't remember any of his past but yet he has all these interesting abilities and things that he can do that make you believe that perhaps he's a Jedi as well. Think about some of the things that he was able to do and how he's able to uh, use a lot of weaponry and do a lot of things. You know, at least he's force aware. And then at the end, when he gets into a battle with Kylo Ren with the lightsaber, how is somebody who's never picked up a lightsaber before, never used one, although he may be trained in combat, you have to wonder how he's able to be so successful against a dark characters such as Kylo Ren with a lightsaber. He, he, he holds his own for a pretty fair amount of time before he actually succumbs and, uh, and gets knocked down and, and gets uh, hit in the back. You have to wonder if maybe he's a descendant of a Jedi somewhere. And that kind of a, that's kind of an intriguing thought that maybe the, the base is bigger than you thought it was and there are more people out there. It makes you stop and think about where it's all going. Because perhaps the Jedi Order comes back together with a few remaining Jedi who are also training other Jedi. Yes, maybe Luke's were killed off, but that doesn't mean that they're all necessarily killed off. Just, just a thought, just something I was kind of thinking about. Now, the other intriguing character is Rey. Now, everyone seems to think that Rey is Luke's daughter. And I think that that's the easy way out. I think that's kind of a cop-out. I think J.J. Abrams intentionally set us up to believe that. It's a very easy course, but I think he's going to surprise us and not let it be Luke's daughter. Now, there's another school of thought that perhaps she's Obi-Wan's daughter, and she was put into hiding similar to the way Luke was. But I have my doubts about that as well. That just doesn't seem to quite fit. Maybe, where would Obi-Wan have met a woman and uh, had a child that could now be this age? Episode 7 is, you know, somewhere in the order of 30 years past Episode 6. So how does Obi-Wan figure in there when Obi-Wan died in Episode 4, which would have been, you know, 40 years before? It just doesn't quite add up for me, so I have my doubts about whether that's Obi-Wan's daughter. Not saying it can't be, but just seems kind of odd to me. Maybe it's Obi-Wan's granddaughter, perhaps. But in my opinion, I don't think that's the case. I'm, I'm kind of an outlier here. I'm watching the movie, I'm checking out some of the interactions between characters, and I notice something interesting. A couple of times, she has some kind of interesting moments with Han Solo. And at one point, she says something to the effect of, Han Solo is like the father I never had. I was like, hey, wait a minute, hold on a second. And then when Han Solo was killed by uh, Kylo, there's an interesting moment where they flash back to Leia, and she has this awareness of what's going on. Yes, she's forced aware, I realize that. But it feels like there's more happening there. And then near the end, Leia hugs Rey in a way that, you know, it's, it's almost a compassionate sort of hug. Like, you know, I know you, I want to hug you, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving you my comfort because you lost Han Solo. Even though she really doesn't know Han Solo other than having flown with him on the Falcon for half the movie. 
So it's kind of an interesting little twist there. One more piece of supporting evidence is that when Kylo takes off his helmet and he's talking to Rey, there's almost an element of recognition between the two of them, especially on the part of Kylo. He's looking at her as though he knows her. There's just sort of an interesting facial expression as though he's like, I know who you are. It's unclear on her expression whether she knows him, but there's almost that I know you sort of somehow kind of thing happening there. So I find that really interesting because it kind of fits everything together. Now, am I right or am I wrong? I really don't know. It's just my best guess. Now, of course, the problem with the theory is that as we're going through the story, there's no recognition between Han and and this girl who could be his daughter. So it makes you wonder, maybe she's not. But I can explain that, I think, through the storyline. There's another part of the story where Leia talks about how Han was always away. It was hard. He left. He wasn't there. Da-da-da-da-da. You know, all these things might have happened. It's possible that Leia was pregnant with Rey at some point, and Rey was born after Han left. So Han never knew he had a daughter. Entirely possible, and it would explain the gap in there and why, why Han didn't recognize her. And it might explain a little bit more about the story because she may have known Ben Solo to some degree. Don't know, because you can't tell what the relationship is there or when, you know, what, what the timing might have been. But that's the reason that I think it all comes together, is because of the timing of everything and the fact that Solo, Han Solo was always gone and off doing things and back on his missions and doing whatever, that it's entirely possible that the baby was born sometime after he left. Perhaps there's more to the story that than meets the eye. But that's my impression, is that Rey is Han and Leia's daughter and the younger sibling to Ben Solo or Kylo Ren. Interesting, right? Am I right? I don't know, but it's just a, a best guess on my part. Like I said, after watching the movie a couple of times, I kind of had that moment where I'm like, is that possible? Sure it is. And one more thing I wanted to point out about Kylo Ren. He's, got, he's an interesting character, and he's really fascinated by his grandfather and his grandfather's power. And he has the old uh, mask that Darth Vader wore that was burned in the uh, funeral pyre. And he's got, the, uh, he's got it sitting there in his little shrine. The other thing that someone pointed out to me is when he takes his helmet off to talk to uh, Rey, he puts it in like this pile of dust, which makes no sense. It turns out that that pile of dust is actually the ashes of his grandfather, Darth Vader. There's something kind of twisted in his logic, and it all kind of makes sense. Now, in my last podcast, I mentioned about that moment between when Han is killed by uh, Ben Kenobi. And I wasn't sure about what Han's motivations were, whether he knew it was going to happen. After watching it a couple more times, I think it's entirely clear that Han knew all the time he was going to get killed by uh, Ben. Even when he told Leia that he was, I'm, I'm going to try and get our son back. It feels like he knew from that moment on that he was going to, be, he was going to die. He knew what was going to happen. So kind of an interesting little uh, nugget there as you think about it. If you watch it a couple more times, you start to see that interaction. When he walks out on the bridge, he knows he's not coming back. Uh, and he's not bringing the son home. That's, you know, he talks to him, he tries to convert him, but he knows he's not bringing him home. Now, they've already talked about Han Solo appearing in uh, Episodes 8 and 9. And I find that kind of interesting. And some people say, well, maybe he's going to be brought back. He's going to be a clone. He's going to be a this. He's going to be a that. My guess is they will use him in flashback sequences. They'll be telling the story about uh, when Ray was born. I think that it fits perfectly if he is her father, that there is some opportunity to tell part of the story about her being born. And you could actually use him as part of the storyline and how Kylo Ren turns evil and that sort of thing. 
I think you can do a lot of things in there using Han as the, as the flashpoint for those things, and maybe even telling some of the story of what happened between 5 and 6 to get us here. Maybe C-3PO was with Han when he lost his arm. Who knows? I think there's a good opportunity, though, to kind of fill in some of the blanks and have a good flashback sequence. Speaking of flashbacks, I wanted to get more into this storyline of Rey touching the lightsaber. That was one of the most intriguing scenes in the film. It only lasts about a minute and a half to two minutes, something like that, but it's one that just captured me because there's so much happening. And it's just fascinating to me. You know, the first time I watched it, I was like, you know, just shaking my head saying, what, what, what the heck is going on here? The second time it was like, wow. And the third time it was like, whoa. It started to come together in some way that the story starts to make a little bit more sense in, the, in a general sense. Now, J.J. Abrams has referred to this as a force back instead of a flashback, which is an interesting idea because it's, he, she's seeing things through the force. Now, the question is, is she seeing things through the lightsaber that the lightsaber may have seen? Is she seeing things that she's seen? Or is she seeing other things? I think, you know, you kind of have to take each piece to this puzzle a little bit differently. Now, let me talk about the general nature of the, of the scene. You're hearing all kinds of voices in the background, and they're hard to hear over the music. You really have to listen to it to get it. But you hear Yoda saying a few words in the background. Now, I understand that J.J. Abrams had recorded a whole lot of dialogue with Frank Oz, but decided not to use it now. He's going to use it in a future episode. And instead, just used a couple of clips of Yoda making noises and saying a couple of words in the uh, force back scene. You also hear the Emperor cackling. <laughs> you hear Darth Vader breathing. You hear Darth Vader's lightsaber turn on. You hear Luke saying, no. I'm not sure if it's when Ben Kenobi died or when he uh, dropped off the, uh, uh, the bridge in Bespin. And there are some other voices from other characters that you hear in there that I can't quite pick out. And in the last part, just before they come back and she sees Maz again, you hear it's a mix of Ben Kenobi from Ewan McGregor and from Alec Guinness mixed together. And it says, Ray, you've taken the first steps. And it's just an amazing thing. When you hear it, when I finally heard it, I was like, oh. You know, adds fuel to the fire that potentially Rey is Obi-Wan's daughter. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's just that he's helping guide her on her path. I think that's really what it comes down to. So it's an interesting thing. Now, you see that and you see these flashbacks. Uh, the first scene, she's in Bespin. And she's seeing, essentially, the duel between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. That's where the lightsaber would have been lost, so it makes some sense that that would be included in there. Then she sees this odd scene of R2-D2 with a metal hand on it. Now, why the metal hand? There's something interesting. My, my son pointed this out to me when we left the movie the first time, and I kind of had to recapture it and think about it and noodle it over a little bit and just kind of come up with an answer here. But... In The Empire Strikes Back, when Luke loses his hand to Vader, they give him a new hand, and it's not a prosthetic hand, it's a real hand, and they, they uh, have the little part of the arm open, and they, uh, they're showing inside where it's like mechanical, and then a little probe touches each one of his fingers, and his fingers open and close. And it's not a mechanical hand, it's a real hand that he has on. Now, in Episode 6, when he comes on, he's always wearing a glove, which is kind of strange because he has a real hand on his right hand, but I think they're trying to remind you that somehow the hand is mechanical. So it's kind of an interesting thing that suddenly he has this metal hand instead. 
what happened to his real hand and why couldn't they replace it with another real hand? Kind of a weird little thing there. Something is just kind of odd about the way it works. It's an interesting sort of nugget there that something odd happened to Luke Skywalker along the way that he has this metal hand. Now, I realize J.J. Abrams could be taking a little liberty here and just saying, you know what, he had a metal hand, something happened, blah, blah, blah. And this is easy to, it's, a, it's easy to identify Luke Skywalker in that case. But it just kind of struck me that it was a weird thing that happened that he had this metal hand all of a sudden that he didn't have before. So anyway, he's got his hand on R2, and then we see this um, scene of Rain, where the Knights of Ren are there, and it's I think it's six knights with Ren. Ren's the only one with a lightsaber. The other ones all have traditional weapons, and they're some kind of a battle. It looks like there's some people who have been slain, and meanwhile, we see Rey backing away. Now, wait a minute. You know, there was something really odd here, because in, a, in another scene that flashes in there, so let me come back to that in just a second. Hold that thought. As we go ahead and we look at the next scene, there's Rey, and she's on this planet saying, come back. And she's a child. But as we look back on the scene previous, she's an adult. There is no child Rey there. Why? Is this something that's going to happen in the future and hasn't happened yet? Is that where we're going with this? I don't know. It's kind of a strange little thing. And then we go to the next scene, the last scene, and it's actually um, her in that... Uh, wooded forest that's got the snow covering and she's uh it she's it's where she does battle with uh, kylo ren at the end and you realize wait a minute she hasn't been there yet how would how would the lightsaber know about that and i think yoda answered that question in uh in episode five when he's training luke and he says a couple of things about the force itself through the force things you will see other places the future the past Old friends long gone. Difficult to see. Always emotion is the future. For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. And binds us. Luminous beings so we not this crude matter. So in the scene in the rain, don't know if it's the future or the past. It's possible it's the future. It's also possible that it's the past. Now, one interesting thing I wanted to point out to you is you see the one scene where one of the Knights of Ren, he's getting ready to strike someone, but you don't know who it is. You're seeing it from probably what's Ray's point of view, and then all of a sudden a lightsaber digs through the, the, uh, the person who's doing the attacking. So is Kylo Ren saving whoever's in the point of view? Is that Ray, Or did he save her in the past? If it were in the past and he knew about having a sister, did he save her so that she would be safe? Or perhaps this is something that's going to happen in episode 8 or 9 when we finally have the final conflict between Ray and Ren. Was this something that will happen in the future and it's foreshadowing what's going to happen and he's going to save her from an attack from somebody else so that he can have, fight her himself? I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's kind of an interesting little thing there. But when you watch it, you kind of sit there and you go, wow, is this the future or the past? I think there's a lot of things that happen here. And uh, it's really kind of neat the way they set up the story. And I think J.J. Abrams did a masterful job of kind of setting it all up for us. Just one question remains. Who left Rey on Jakku? I believe that that was Princess Leia trying to get her away from whatever evil might befall her. The scene ends and she comes back to reality and that's when Maz comes in and she's able to give her some really wise sayings, wise things about uh, the lightsaber and everything. And that's what makes me think that Maz is really a uh, Jedi. It just makes so much more sense if she is. 
So in that final scene where Ray is fighting Ren, there's a lot of back and forth there, and you can see sort of the, the evil building and the good building. I think when Kylo realizes that she is more powerful, he talks about ascending to power, similar to the way that Anakin talked about ascending to power. You listen to him, and he's like, join me, and I'll train you, and we can do great things. And again, the question about, is that his sister? Is he really doing that because he realizes who she is? Did he see that in her mind when he was in there? Did she see that in his mind when he was there? And then suddenly, and so at some point, she clears her mind, and she closes her eyes, and she's able to uh, knock him backward, and that's where she gets, gains the upper hand. And then suddenly she's using the force for good to try and defeat him. And she gets to the point of knocking his hand off and scarring him, much like Anakin was scarred with the facial scar. How funny. And then he gets knocked to the ground. And he's injured. And that's when he has to get rescued by the general to, to be taken to Snoke. She didn't have a chance to kill him. I'm not sure that she could have or would have if she realized that he was a blood relation to her, if she kind of came to realize that. So that's my take on it. I just found the whole thing so fascinating. Uh, it really just, you know, really just captured me because I was sitting there and I'm watching it and all of these things kind of played out and it was just really neat. And I think there's a lot happening, a lot more happening than you would ever think in this movie. Now, the other questions I have are, who is the general? Who is this general who's risen to power and has something? Now, they did Grand Moff Tarkin in Episode Four, who they never described his background, but he was obviously in control, too. He was the character played by Peter Cushing. So you have a character here who's developed and done something and you know, kind of come risen to power, but you don't know where he, where he comes from or who he is. And uh, how, how does Ren figure into this? I realize that he's the, the guy being manipulated by the Emperor, and I think Han is right. You know that he's going to just use you. But it's just interesting how it kind of plays in there, and there's, there's a lot more happening. It's really kind of neat. I mean, I just I love the, uh, the fascinating part of the story and how it all kind of comes together in some way because there's so many things happening. I think that they're leading you up to the understanding that uh, Snoke is the really supreme leader, evil bad guy, and uh, his, his henchman is his apprentice, Kylo Ren, and eventually they will, will both get killed off, and somehow Luke will ascend to power and you know, restore order to the galaxy. So in a sense... Yoda's prophecy that there would be a, someone who would bring balance to the Force. It wasn't Anakin. It was Anakin's son. So I think that's where it all nets out. I think they were just setting us up to get to that point. You know, defeat the Empire. Now the First Order comes up, and here comes these, the next wave of bad guys. So there you go. That's my second take on The Force Awakens. After watching it again, I just was so fascinated. On my next podcast, I'll get back to uh, talking about other Disney topics, but I wanted to share this one with you. And I hope everyone has a great new year. And remember, if we can dream it, we can always do it. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 